You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last time, we hope. Got a couple of things we want to get to today. Some big stories around the NFL. Coming out of the uh, owners' meetings, they have made some changes to the overtime rule. It'll just be in the postseason. Just yesterday, as we record today on uh, Thursday, the 31st, out of the blue, Bruce Arians decides to step down. We're assuming he decided quite some time ago, and there's kind of been uh, the wheels in motion and all this stuff. So first, we'll bring in our guest. He is a big play waiting to happen. The ultra-athletic wide receiver from the Cincinnati Bearcats in pride of Glen Ellen, Illinois, number 12, Alec Pierce. Alec, welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. First off, what is a Bearcat? (laughs) That's a good question. I mean, you can come up to uh, Cincinnati Zoo and check out for yourself. I think they have one there. Not really sure, but... I know we have an official Bearcat, and it's there. All right. Is he a fierce-looking guy or gal? It's little, but it's fierce. It's kind of All right. Alec, like I said at the top, you know, ultra-athletic. Your combine numbers were outstanding, to say the least. I mean, 4.33 in the 40. Your vert was over 40 inches, nearly 11 feet in the broad jump, fourth-fastest wide receiver at the combine. Among the best in this wide receiver class. So what in particular do you believe gets you drafted among the best wide receivers? I, I think it's my ball skills and my, my catch radius along with my like vertical threat. You know, being able to go up and get the ball, but then also being able to run by some people makes me a kind of a unique vertical threat, a very good vertical threat. I think you know, I got really good ball skills. I'm going to be able to make all those tight contested catches that, really happen a lot in the NFL because the, D- the DBs are going to be good. Well, let's talk about the combine a little bit. Lou already mentioned that you put up some amazing numbers. What was the toughest part about the combine for you? I think the toughest part was just like the schedule the whole week. Uh, it's a pretty long week. It's tough. You're meeting with teams until like 1130 at night, and then you're getting up at 6 a.m. the next day. So there's not a whole lot of time to rest and really kind of prepare your body like like you would if you were playing a game or, uh, you know, doing something with, with football, you always kind of have a little bit of time to really kind of chill out and, and rest and prepare yourself. This, two you were just on go the whole week, and then at the end of the week they ask you to go out there and perform. So that was a little bit of a challenge. and You just kind of had to find a way to get your work in and still be able to, like, work your technique and, and, and get a little bit of a sweat in each day so that you just weren't completely out of it when you came to the day. Obviously, the adrenaline is kicking at an all-time high because, I mean, you're thinking about it. You're nervous as far as interviews are concerned, as far as performing. So the mental stuff is tough. How do you deal with it? How do you prepare for it? Because it's unlike anything that you've experienced before, even though you went to the Senior Bowl and played in a lot of big games. But still, I mean, obviously, the mental stuff, it's, it's a grind at the Combine. I think if, as long as you keep telling yourself, you know, like kept thinking about myself, you know, as, as a kid and watching the combine and how I've always dreamed of being here, that just kind of keeps it in perspective for you. Like 
while this may be a, a long week, this may be tough. Like this is, you know, there's millions of other people out here that would take my spot in an instant, you know. So you got to be grateful of the opportunity uh, and just look at it that way. The Bearcats Pro Day was held about a week ago. It was the biggest event ever for Cincinnati. Over like 100 plus personnel men from the NFL attended. You didn't have to test because obviously you did that during the combine. How did you perform during the wide receiver drills? I performed well. I ran some routes, caught some balls from Des. It was good to be back out there with those guys uh, one last time on our on our practice field. So, yeah, it was, it was a good day. Who ran the pro day? Which uh, wide receivers coach? Coach Tolbert from the Chicago Bears. So without mentioning the teams, Alec, what were some of the discussions like with the teams? Uh, teams just ran through my film with me, you know, kind of tested my, like, football knowledge, had me, got me up on the whiteboard, taught me some installs, um, and just had me, like, regurgitate the information back to them. So it was a lot of, like, whiteboard stuff and film, watching film. All right, so you guys have uh, some pretty decent corners there at Cincinnati, uh, yeah. Sauce and Kobe. What were the battles in practice like for you? How much better did they make you as a player? Oh, they made me so much better as a player. Uh, those guys are both two unbelievable players. For me, it was always I was always going against Sauce or Mod and call him Mod. Uh, I always went against him because he played over the boundary, and that's where I played. So, like all our one-on-one reps and all our routes during practice would be against each other. And you know, he's a he's an unbelievable player. I I really think he's something special. And you know, it's good to see people kind of like waking up to that now. And I I see a lot of people think he's going to be a could be like a top five pick. So I, I think he deserves that. Both of them are guys that work incredibly hard. Like every day at practice, like, you know, you're getting their, their best from them. So you got to be prepared to go out there and work. But that's, I think, what made us all help me become a better player, help them become a better player. Just how we all worked hard and took every day, treat every day like it was like a game. So notoriously, Sauce did not give up a touchdown pass in his career at Cincinnati. How many yeah. times did you score against them? You got to keep in mind how many practices we have. We practice every day, so there's there's a good amount, like more than I can count. You know, can you recall one that really, after it happened, you're like, wow, maybe I am getting good. I've, I've caught some fake balls on them. The all our red zone type routes, like when, when we do red zone day, like, it's, like if you're getting a catch, it's pretty much a touchdown. So caught a lot of touchdowns like that. Now you had a great week at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. You got pro coaches there. What? kind of tips did you get from those guys during the course of the week or maybe something that a concept or, or something that they imparted on you that you feel you can take moving forward yeah they worked with me a lot on my releases so like they really wanted me to be violent at the line and once you do make your move like really rip through and be skinny off their shoulder uh and just take all the space they said they said take the space like take the space that you earn don't leave that space because the db is just going to come close that space so they really were working with me on the releases a lot, and they were helpful, and I think that I added some things to my game. Obviously, the Senior Bowl is a lot of one-on-ones, Alec, and a lot of competition against uh, the best players in the nation. What was the most memorable moment for you in Mobile, Alabama? I'd say probably just you know meeting all the guys. Like In just a couple of days, I, was, I got pretty close with some of the receivers there on the team. Um, yeah really good to you know finally meet and put a face to all these like names you hear about and see making plays on sports center stuff like that who is the best trash talker at this senior bowl we want to get some dirt i don't know 
I would imagine there's some jawing going on between the wide receivers and DBs, especially, hey, I got you, you got me, that that kind of thing. Honestly, from what I can remember, I, their DB coach was talking a lot of shit. So. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to talk about your family. Nobody does this alone, right, Alec? Your entire family are athletes and, and at a high level. I mean, tell me if I got this right. Your dad played football at Northwestern. Your yep. mom played volleyball at Northwestern. Brother Justin played hoops at William and Mary and also at, at Carolina. And now he's playing pros in Europe. Youngest brother just won a state championship and is committed to Princeton. Yep. Seriously, what, what's the competition like it's at home? Very competitive. Everything gets competitive. Like, can't play like a board game or basketball in the front court without arguments and <laughs> fighting pretty much going on but no I love it I think that's really kind of what raised me as a competitor is being with my brothers I played so many so many different sports with them growing up like in our backyard or in, in the front yard some hoops so that I think that really contributed to all of us being good athletes was just kind of the competitive nature that was instilled in us from the beginning all three of you are so athletic and I don't put your parents in there for this one. I don't know that they would participate, but if the three of you, Justin, Kate, and Alec, had a gut a dunk contest, who would win? Um, probably Justin. I've seen him do a between-the-leg dunk before, so I'd probably give it to him. They're both 6'6", six, six, so they got a little bit of an advantage on me. And, you know, they play basketball every day, so they got a little bit better dunk packages. I got the best hops out of all of them, but... I can do some decent dunks, but I can't do I can't do like between the legs and stuff like that. Like like the really cool, you know, stuff that you got to be a real hooper to do, you know. Well, I would think there'd be a lot of trash talking in that contest, so we'll just we'll just leave it at that. You mentioned you played all all different sports. I mean, football, volleyball, basketball, track. How would you say that playing all those sports impacted your football slash wide receiver skills? Track is by far like the I think the best sport any big football player if they're not doing anything in the spring I think every guy should sign up and, and do track because it's just going to help you get faster stronger more explosive as an athlete so track you know helped me in that regards and then I think volleyball and basketball really helped me in my like hand-eye coordination and being able to go up and like high point the ball that's all time and that's like really similar to volleyball when you got to go up and hit the ball like time it up perfectly with your with your jump and all that and then similar with basketball going up and getting a rebound. It's really all like the same hand-eye coordination, and that's why you can you see a lot of these elite athletes can be good at multiple sports. When you were coming out of uh, high school in Illinois, um, who were your uh, top three schools you were interested in? And did you ever consider Northwestern since your both parents went there? Yeah, I, I consider Northwestern. I didn't get an offer from there. If I would have got an offer, I probably would have gone there in a heartbeat, but um, they didn't offer me. It really came down to, like, Cincinnati offered me really late in the process. And before that, I was, I was looking at Miami, Ohio a lot. It was probably going to be Miami, Ohio, and then Cincinnati offered me, and I looked into that and loved it and never looked back. Why did you choose the Bearcats? I mean, what was it about the, the school, the coaching staff? What what stood out to you? It was just like the, like, being on campus, I came on here for an official visit and just like all the guys, being around all the guys, they were all a really good group of guys. and I just enjoyed my time here um, and felt like it would be a good group of guys that I could, you know, work with and and like be friends with and, and grow with. Um, and then, in a sense, felt 
like they had a lot something a lot bigger going on and because at, at the time when I committed they were they were four and eight they were pretty much on the same level as Miami Ohio um, but it just felt like they had like a lot higher of a ceiling um, they had a lot more room to grow so that just kind of what Coach Stickle had going on with his staff like it, it, it felt like they were going somewhere. What did it feel like to be a part of the, the winningest class in, in Bearcats history? I mean, you mentioned that you had a feeling that you were going to do great things, yeah. obviously. But what was it about the coaching staff that made it happen? They instilled the culture here, and they did a really good job recruiting. You know, first they did a really good job recruiting and bringing in uh, talented and capable players because a coach always say it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Joe's and Moe's or something like that. And as, as good of a coach as you are, if you're, if you're not bringing in the right players, like you're not going to go far. They did a really good job at identifying talent and keeping some talented players that had big offers and big opportunities to go to like, you know, some big, big, big ten schools, stuff like that. They kept them in town. They did a really good job, like just hammering the local guys and getting them to come play here. And then they did a really good job, like instilling a culture, a winning culture, um, building the brotherhood like we all everyone was super tight with each other um and we all you know just wanted to work together and win and, and people were pretty selfless so i think that was just like the winning culture that instilled. and to cap it all off i mean the college football playoff rung as a senior i mean playing against alabama in the semis so you guys took it a step further during your um, senior season mm-hmm. yeah we did i mean that was just kind of like you said, just capped it all off because it was great coming in with all these guys. I played four years with a lot of guys. A lot of guys from our class like stuck around and and made it uh, four years, which you don't see a whole lot in in college football anymore. Almost like a movie ending, right there, being able to make it to the college football playoffs and rewrite history. What was it like to play against Alabama in in the semis? I mean, playing against such a great opponent. It was great. It was really cool to line up and see see them in their crimson tide uh jerseys you know lined up across from you and because uh, you know growing up you always were watching them playing in the national championship so it was a really cool experience and i wish we we could have played a little better especially on the offense wish we could have executed a little better and put some more points up on the board but that didn't happen and all the success that you had as a senior as a team but you also had great success individually during your senior season. What was the major difference for you uh, this past year? I don't think it was there was really that much different. I mean, from the year before, it, it was just I was healthy. The year before, I missed a ton of games because I was injured. But two years ago, or my, my 2019, my first year, I think I led the team in, in receiving yards. But we, we had Josiah DeGuard that ended up getting drafted third round. So, like, he had a lot of the, the touchdowns, and he had a lot of the balls thrown to him. And then after that year, it was kind of my turn to step up and be that number one guy. And I did, and I was going to, but I, I got hurt a lot that 2020 year. So I didn't get to really put up the numbers like a number one guy would. And then this year, you know, I just was blessed to stay healthy and, and play every game. And so, you know, that, that's what happens when, you're, when you get a lot of balls thrown to you and a lot of opportunities to make plays. The big numbers. So you did a great job forecasting what would uh, come next for the Cincinnati Bearcats. There's a ton of talent there, including the head coach. 
you talked about Ahmad Sauce Gardner, probably going to be a top 10 pick, Kobe Bryant. I'm sure there's many other players. But if you could just maybe give us one sentence to describe Coach Fickle, because, I mean, he his name came up with every major job that was out there and ultimately decided to stay. But just if you give us one sentence to describe him, what would it be? I'll give you one word. I'll give you competitor. He's probably the most competitive person I've ever met. Something flips in his head and he, he gets locked in and he's not someone you want to mess with when competition comes around. So he's an incredible competitor and I think that is what really gets us going on game days. And how about uh, one for your quarterback, Desmond Ritter? I'd say Desmond the winner. You can look at the numbers for that. Like he's, I know he's up there, one of the most winningest quarterbacks in college football history and he did that with a shortened season too so yeah no he's a he's a winner and he's a leader he's the guy that was really brought our offense together this year and made sure we did everything we needed to do to accomplish our goals all right a couple of guys that are carrying the banner for university of cincinnati in the nfl kelsey brothers are, are quite entertaining a couple of viral situations i don't know if you saw them but uh Jason sang the national anthem before a Sixers game. He also had Travis on the stage getting the Lamar Hunt trophy, doing his best rendition of the Beastie Boys. Which one was the better performance? Uh, I didn't see the Travis one, so I don't know. I, I love <laughs> I love Jason's national anthem. That was great. What do those guys mean to the program, and do they ever come back and talk to you guys? Yeah, they do. Um, they're great for the program, and I think they both kind of represent everything that University of Cincinnati and, and our football program goes to represent. Oh, they're both great guys, you know, energetic, got some charisma to them. They both did come back during my time here at Cincinnati. I know it's tough because they're always in season when we're in season. They can maybe come back in like a bye week if we had a home game. Um, but in the off season, we see them a little bit. And when I get to talk to them, they've both been great guys to me. Uh, hopefully get to meet them a little bit more in the future. All right, got a good shot of maybe playing with one of them. All right, Alec, yeah. uh, here's your opportunity in the program to go ahead and uh, plug your social media handles or anything else you're involved in or just want to shout somebody out. My Instagram is Alec Pierce. I think my Twitter is AJ Pierce 0 right now, but it might be changing to Alec Pierce soon. I'm trying to get that changed over at the social media team that my agency is on me about that. And then... I'd just like to shout out the University of Cincinnati for, for giving me the opportunity um, coming out of high school. I wasn't the, the biggest recruit. Not a lot of people thought a whole lot of me. Um, and they, they kind of came in late and gave me an opportunity to chase out my dreams. And I think coming here was the best uh, decision I ever made in my life. So I'm forever in debt to them for that. I'd like to thank the coaches and everybody who's just done a great job of developing me into the man I am today. All right, Alec, we appreciate you taking the time, telling us a little bit about your story. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So B.A. steps down. What were your first thoughts when you heard it, timing, all this stuff? Yeah, it's just really weird. I I can imagine, like, Tom Brady thinking, like, I retired, then I came back. I certainly was hoping that Bruce Arians was going to be my head coach. You know, I put up some big numbers for him, and uh, we're going to continue to do this thing. Obviously, Byron Leftwich stayed. Todd Bowles is now the head coach. The continuity of that staff will stay. Bruce Arians is moving on and, and getting to going to the front office. But something must be up because the fact that they talked Tom Brady out of retirement, I'm sure they did because after they, they scrambled and realized that they weren't going to get a good enough quarterback, 
that I'm sure they talked to Tom, and he was under full impression that Bruce Arians is going to return at least for one year. Has to be some have to be some health concerns as far as Bruce Arians is concerned. I'm not putting it out there. I'm just saying that this is really shocking. Uh, I realize that he's not a guy in his 40s. That it would have been more shocking if Sean McVay would have walked away. Bruce Arians has already retired before, and then he came, he came back. But uh, I'm just shocked. The news kind of hit me pretty hard, thinking that, hey, maybe uh, Tom Brady is going to retire a second time after this news of Bruce Arians walking away. I have a, d- a completely different view. I do agree that as far as Bruce Arians is concerned, maybe there are some health concerns and so forth. I think Brady, this could be kind of a part of Brady's plan. And I don't know if it was a plan or if he really pushed for it, but it just there's too many things that happen like out of the blue to make it look like this was planned. I guess as buttoned up as Tom is, as clean as he wants things to be, as controlled as he wants to be, his pseudo-retirement was messy just the whole way it came about. And then just as crazy as that was, then he comes back. Yeah, I agree with the fact that you know Tampa Bay obviously wanted him back, but I the rumors of perhaps a deal with a potential deal with Miami or San Francisco that stuff started you know circulating. The whole Brady thing from the beginning was weird when he got there, right? Mister Intensity from the Northeast playing for Belichick, play for Lloyd Carr at Michigan. Now all of a sudden his coach is going to be kind of the seat of the pants, no risk it, no biscuit type dude. Everything's kind of loose and cool. Uh, yeah, he'll cuss you out, and yeah, he'll ride you at practice. The whole button-up portion of it, what he was used to for 20 years with Belichick, was completely different. But they made it work through COVID, through everything else, running his own practices, even when he wasn't allowed to, still going ahead and doing that. So the, all the surprises, it just doesn't really add up, right? Now, the fact that Todd Bowles was their guy... That makes perfect sense. And the succession plan and their temple guys and there's plenty of head coaching material on that staff. Perfect. Makes absolute sense. But I just think the wheels were in motion well before this. And reports are that I guess Brady maybe knew about this or was in motion a day or two after he came back, which tells me that he was involved in that, not pushing him out, but Again, maybe strongly suggesting that maybe a defensive head coach to kind of run that side of the ball and he and Leftwich would take care of the offense because even at the end of last year, as they were getting near the end of the season, again, Brady complaining about too, you know, things were, were too loose. We need to be more disciplined and all that. And again, it was very subtle, nothing directed towards B.A., but, you know, again, B.A. at certain times would call Brady out. Lou, I don't buy this at all. So a guy that brings a Super Bowl along with Tom Brady and, you know, Tampa Bay won a Super Bowl a long time ago with John Gruden, you know, they waited, what, like 20 years to do this? And you think Brady pushes this guy out of the way? I don't think so. There's got to be some health concerns. I think Bruce Arians is walking away under his own terms. I'm not buying this conspiracy theory. Well, it's not. I I don't know that it's a conspiracy, but I do believe that there was there was a little I don't know a little rift between the two, and just the whole the the style of Brady, how he likes things to run, is a little bit different than than BA. And yeah, they won a Super Bowl and great, but why the retirement and then come right back? And then they waited till after March 1st 
to bring in Bowles because they knew, and again, I don't know that they knew this, but they had to confirm it at the owners' meetings that if you hire a coach after March 1st, the Rooney rule still applies, but there's a caveat in there that you don't have to interview a bunch of diverse candidates. I don't know if any of this is true. That's just kind of the way I see it is there's just too many inconsistencies to say, okay, the nice clean, happy story that they're selling is actually the way it's it's gone out. And maybe it's my own cynicism from seeing some of these other, these other stories like the Browns and some of these other things. I think the two guys probably love each other personally, but just the way they run things might be a little bit different. Tom thinking what BA's thinking. Why do you think these rumors started surfacing as far as Tom Brady going to the Miami Dolphins lately? I mean, what's that all about? I mean, it's like, what is this? I mean, is this like a power play? Why is he doing this? Is Why it is agent? Maybe it's agent driven. I don't know. I mean, is he hoping that Tom Brady is going to play for another three or four years? I think Tampa is more of a ready-made team today than the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are exciting with all those weapons that they added through free agency. The offensive line is better, but Tampa Bay is a better team. Oh, no question. And I don't think he was ever really going to go there. But again, these things get put out there just to serve a purpose. And from a negotiating standpoint, who knows? I mean, we still don't know the whole story about Brady. And maybe at some point this will come out. But again, yeah, B.A. 69 years old. I'm happy for him. He got his Super Bowl. He's got this franchise where he wants it. And the fact that he's given the franchise over to Bowles with Brady versus without. I mean, if he left them without a quarterback, then it would really suck. And now he'd be in the same, maybe in the same position he was with the Jets. But he's going to get an outstanding opportunity, at least for one year. Maybe they, in another year, Kyle Trask develops or they get another quarterback. Or maybe Brady does play another couple of years. Who knows? It just doesn't add up, you know, to me. And I, again, I don't have any inside information but just looking at the situation in my opinion a lot of this stuff just doesn't add up as cleanly as they're trying to put it out there you're making this sound like tom brady is like the biggest mastermind <laughs> in all would you put it past him the... no i wouldn't but it's just <laughs> but i do think that the tampa bay franchise has a lot of respect for bruce arians oh, absolutely and the way he built that team yep. and the way he built that offense and the way he was able to attract Tom Brady in there and they made it work and they had that great playoff run. The defense stepped up. You have to have like mutual respect for each other the way Belichick and Brady had for each other. But I think Tom Brady, even though he is, he comes from a different background, I guess. He was so used to, you know, not speaking his mind. But when he went to Tampa Bay, he let that go. I mean, he took on more of a fun persona. We got to see more of a fun Tom Brady. And I think Bruce Arians kind of helped him bring it out of him because he's more of a playful guy in that regard. You know, Belichick is more closed off. Arians is more open. That dynamic worked, and I think Tom was sick and tired of Michigan and Lloyd and Bill Belichick for 20 years. That you know, he's enjoying this this fun 40 year old Tom Brady. You know, he started a new life in Florida and Tampa and won a Super Bowl without Belichick and proved to everyone that he's not a system quarterback. So, I think in that regard, he's more grateful to Bruce Arians for bringing him in there. 
Yeah, well, I, I certainly the off the field. I mean, I think really this maybe was who Tom was all along as far as personality goes. Just, again, kept it under wraps. But I, I think just from the coaching aspect and just the, the whole team being a little bit more disciplined and so forth, I think maybe some of the things rubbed him the wrong way. But I, again, this is all speculation and who knows? And that's just, you know, my opinion based on what I'm seeing, hearing and reading. Okay, so they changed the overtime rules. I don't know. I mean, is this Bills Chiefs divisional game going to go down as like one game that really changed the NFL? <laughs> okay, they're going to change this rule primarily, I, I think, because of this. Josh Allen didn't get a shot at, at the ball, and then the other way, the way the teams are going after quarterbacks and you know spending all sorts of money to get the best guys because if we don't have somebody like Mahomes or Allen, we got no shot. But the strategy piece of it is going to be very telling because. Much like in the college game, coaches, if they win the toss in overtime, will probably defer, put their defenses on the field first to see what the other team does. So that would help them making decisions once they get the ball. The other side of that, maybe, you know, if you've got a lot of momentum, you're at home, you just scored a bunch of points, they get back in the game, maybe you do take the ball. So, I mean, that's the whole thing is all these different options. And then the two-point conversions, you know, do you go for, do you score a touchdown right away and put eight on the board? Harbaugh, Staley, you you never know. Or the other way. If the other team puts up seven and now you score a touchdown, are you going to go for two, try to win the game right there versus, okay, we're going to kick it back to them and now a field goal beats us. So from all that perspective, I think it's really intriguing. I don't know. What's your view? Yeah, it's really intriguing, but the overtime rule has been changed only for the playoffs, Lou. Yes. I wish they would have changed it for the regular So we may not see this for a while. I wish they would have changed it for the regular season and kind of experimented with it because how often do we see the overtime? Not that often, but I love the rule. I wish they would have done it and carried it over to the regular season. I understand why they're doing it with the playoffs. They're experimenting. They're seeing how it's going to go, but I love it because, hey, I wanted Josh Allen to get the ball after Patrick Mahomes scored. And in my opinion, you got to do it like the college rule. You know, you got to kick it, see what the other team does. And then, you know, if they punt, you get a field goal. If they score a touchdown, then you've got the option of going for the, you know, the point after to go for the two point conversion. It's more fun if you defer. And then, you know, obviously there, there's so much more options that open up for you. The best part, I think, is it's going to, you know, it'll just come to us in real time in a really, really huge game. I mean, obviously a playoff game. That I can't wait for. So hopefully we see that uh, this season. So for Alex, uh, thanks to our guest, Alec Pierce. This is Lou. As always, please subscribe if you get the opportunity. Don't miss any new episodes. Till next time. Peace.